know, it's one of those costly victories, you know, and, you know, we, we came in with a couple guys banged up and we got a couple more banged up, but that's yeah. Trinity League football. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, you know, what do you say when you lose, you know, a kid like that? I mean, you know, hopefully, you know, if I know anything about him, he'll rehab and, and he'll be ready to go next year. Hello and welcome back to the Trinity League football podcast. I am Dan Albano with the Orange County Register and OCVarsity.com. And I'm joined once again by my partner, Trinity League insider Scotty Barajas. And we're recording our show on Monday, October 22nd, 2018. It is week 10 of the regular season, the final week of the uh, Trinity League season for 2018. Scotty, how are you doing uh, this evening as we're uh, really to the uh, last game, believe it or not, uh, last week of re- last round of the Trinity League. Can you believe it? Yeah, it's 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 flown by. Um, yeah, it just seems like yesterday we were doing the first podcast, and uh, and uh, I was actually uh, heading out to um, Vegas uh, yeah. for that Gorman game. It just seems to be like it was last last week, and here we are, already at the end. So, yeah, I I think it's gone by very fast too, and I think it's because it's been an eventful uh, season. You know, for a lot of these teams that played some really big games early in the season road trip, national game out to Las Vegas, the build-up to the modern-day St. John Bosco. There's been a uh, game, there's been a lot to talk about. You know, Jay Sarah having a big non-league season and um, running the table 5-0 and and where was Servite with Troy Thomas and and Santa Margarita playing these tough time, teams and the all the promise and, and, and expectations for Orange Luth and Ryan Halinski, Kyle Ford. There's been a lot to... There's really been a lot to take and a lot to follow this year. It's been a lot of storylines, a lot of big players, a lot of big. Uh, and but we got one more week, Scotty. Uh, yes, yeah, we do. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Um, I, I, I think I have to think that we've been doing this podcast for you know what three three years now, and I think this one has been the most informate informative packed um, that we've done. And uh, I think we've you know covered a lot, talked about a lot. Um, and I think that's that's part of um, maybe why it's uh, it's gone by so quick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I want to uh, – our show was open today. We were hearing some comments from Bruce Rawlinson, the modern-day football coach, after their victory, impressive victory, but also uh, came at a, a high cost with injuries. And that's Coach Rawlinson talking after the game against uh, Jay Sarah this past Friday, specifically talking about Miles Moreau, the outstanding left tackle for modern day who unfortunately uh, uh, suffered an apparent uh, ankle injury. And we're going to close the show with comments from a couple weeks ago. We're going to bring back from Troy Thomas from Servite, the coach there back in his second tenure with the Friars. And he's a great voice to hear this week because the Friars uh, are on that playoff cusp and trying to, to make it in as an at-large team in Division One. Will they make it? A lot's, uh, They're going to need some help. And they're uh, and it's, we're probably not going to really know, and you know we won't know until Sunday uh, when the selections and the at large and the Division One bracket comes out. So we'll close the show from with comments for from from Troy Thomas. So st- stay tuned for that. And uh, Scotty and I want to welcome you, um, all our listeners, to the Train League podcast. We appreciate you guys uh, tuning us in each week and uh, hopefully spreading the word. And in uh, in and, and please invite new football fans and, and your hardcore OC 
and Trinity League football fans, high school fans in general to our podcast. Share it um, and check it out. Uh, listen to us on the way to games and uh, share it with your your, your friends. And, and Scotty and I will be uh, forever uh, grateful So for your support. And we're, we're definitely encouraged with uh, and, and, and backed by your guys' support all year. And we got a couple more shows to go. So to set the table, we're going to review these week nine, week nine games from last week. We're going to start off with that modern-day J. Sarah Tilt, number one versus number two in Orange County. We're going to have our players of the week and our grades for the week. And then we're going to get into that Week 10 schedule, highlighted maybe by modern-day Olu, or maybe you like J. Sarah, Santa Margarita. Those are probably the two biggest games of the week. And we're going to preview those at the end. And we're going to have some playoff talk about Division One. We're going to we'll share some of our opinions about J. Sarah and um, some of the teams and scenarios that maybe I'm sorry about Servite and what hap, uh, has to happen for them potentially to make it into the uh, the playoffs. So, Scotty, let's let's start back up with that modern day victory at J. Sarah. Um, it was it was a very interesting game. You know, I thought it was going to be much closer than it ended up being. It was modern day forty two to seven against uh, over J. Sarah. Modern day big victory for them because they. They uh, took sole possession of second place in the Trina League. They're now three and one in league, second by themselves behind St. John Bosco, and Monarchs are seven and two overall. So they really needed to bounce back. We talked about how they, you know, the Monarchs need to bounce back after that, you know, such a disappointing and decisive victory by Bosco over the Modern Day um, the previous week. So Modern Day seemed like they made a lot of corrections and improvements. You know, right out out of the gate, they really featured more Sean Dollars, got him going on some of those short fly sweep passes, had him in the slot. That was a pretty steady. um, We definitely saw more Sean Dollars, which I think is a positive for the modern day uh, offense. The Oregon commits got some speed, helped them out. They converted their first fourth down chance. That was huge on their first um, uh, scoring drive. They were 0 for 4 in fourth down conversions. Against Bosco, that was a huge part of that game. So that was another improvement they made. And I, you know, they still struggle with penalties, um, but they, the defense also probably improved. To, you know, to hold uh, Chris Street to um, eleven carry, eleven yards on seventeen carries, that was a tremendous effort. They also had three interceptions, including two by Darion Green. So I think they made a lot of improvements. It came at a price because of the heavy injury to Miles. Um, Cody Epps was injured with knee injury uh, in pregame. Supposedly that's not that serious. Um, Coach Rollinson said, looks like Miles is definitely going to be out for the rest of the year. The, the junior left tackle. So I have to look for him next year with a you know pretty significant ankle injury, according to Coach Rollinson. But Scotty, what was your take on this game where I think it, and it, to wrap up my comments, had to be a very disappointing game for, for Jay Sarah. It was a chance for them to be number one in the county. It was a chance to show that, hey, that close game we played against St. John Bosco wasn't a fluke. We are within seven points of Bosco. But they really uh, performed poorly, um, you know, uh, at home. And, uh, you know, it, it saps a lot of the momentum, I think, for their postseason push. I think it's going to, you know, see how how much they can shake it off this quickly this week. But, you know, it doesn't make you too excited about, you know, Jay Sarah and their potential for the playoffs Give a lot of credit to Modern Day, but uh, Jay Sarah's passing game really struggled. The run game struggled, and so did their uh, defense. But what was your take on this game, Scotty? 
Yeah, so the lesson in this one is you cannot scoreboard watch, you know. Yeah. Um, that's something, you know, you look at the the J-Sarah, when J-Sarah played Bosco, and they looked like they should beat by and Bosco was looked down those two games, and they played modern day, and they looked like that, a total new team. Same way with this game. Modern day comes in kind of, you know, wounded, and J-Sarah comes in, and they, you know, mo- most people were probably shocked at this outcome. Um, because it was Jay Sarah's turn to have that off night as, you know, modern day dominated, you know, they he actually invoked the running clock late into the fourth quarter. Um, but you know, there were many storylines in this one from, you know, the multiple injuries to the bad officiating, which I'll get to later. Um, you know, Jay Sarah was coming into this game, averaging 359 yards per game. And, uh, they had the league's second best, uh, rushing team with 189, 180 yards, and they were completely shut down. Yeah. Uh, the modern day defense showed up, you know, played its usual brand of defense, and um, they held, you know, the league's leading rusher, Chris Street, to to 17 yards on on 11 carries. And his longest run of the night was five yards. Um, yeah, that's crazy. And um, you know, passing, Caden Bell was 10 of 26, 38 percent. He had 106 yards. He had thrown. He threw three picks. And the wide receivers were, were completely blanketed. I mean, Tyler Shimamura was held to zero catches. Uh, Tarek Luckett had one catch for 11 yards. And then Muriel McClain had six for 58. And that was all their offense. Um, you know, as Jay Sarah had multiple three and outs, they didn't get their first first down until the uh, 39-yard touchdown run by Caden Bell, which was, you know, four minutes left into the second quarter. And that was their only first down of the first half. And then the modern-day front seven had their way. They bottled up. You know, the line of scrimmage, uh, the secondary redeemed himself, uh, starting off with the two great cover picks by uh, Darion Green-Warren, who stepped in front of the wide receiver for that first series of the game for his first pick. And then later on, at the end of the game, he had that fade to the end zone where he positioned himself, getting inside position to front seal the receiver um, to seal the game with the last minutes. And then offensively, modern day jumped out to a quick 21-point lead on the heels of Bryce Young's 311 passing yards, three touchdowns. He did get picked twice. Um, and then Brew McCoy, you know, he did their damage early. Uh, Jay Sarah had no answer for Brew. And Luckett, who had, Terry Luckett, who had been their shutdown corner, learned the hard way how difficult it is to take on Brew McCoy. Um, as he only caught four passes for 66 yards, but his receptions were pretty key. Cause they all resulted either in scoring drives, um, including that leaping corner fade over Luckett. Luckett tried to jam and lock McCoy up, but uh, Brew was able to get away and jump up and make that leaping catch. But his best catch of the night was thought to be a second touchdown of the night, which yeah. was taken off the board um, by the official, said he bobbled the ball before coming down, but it was clearly a catch even without the re- replay. And then even he even took two or three steps after the fact and then when you watch it on the replay and another highlight video it was clearly a catch and if you really look he shifted his other hand to brace himself from hitting the goalpost, and i think that's what the ref must have saw but you know you put you add that to it he would have had five catches for 100 yards two tds um but that was just the tip of the bad officiating of the night um you know and i have to mention this because there were so many inconsistent bad calls for both teams um and it took away from the game uh, took away from the flow um, besides, you know, the, you know, the personal fouls. But, you know, Bryce Young had a scramble towards the sideline and Malik Teo came, 
and pushed him out of bounds. But Young was actually in bounds when he got pushed, and they threw him for a roughing the you know roughing the passer. Um, you know, I know it's it's protecting the quarterback in that case. You know, later on there was like the, the two phantom pass interference calls for each team, one against Jay Sarah that aided to a modern day score, and then one took an uh, interception away from Josh Hunter. Um, yeah, they were holding calls. Um, that were borderline or didn't look like holds, and then there were blatant holds that weren't called, you know, so it just took away from the flow of the game, and you know, the one thing that the crew did well was when they did have the personal fouls, they were offset, which is you don't hardly ever see that Um, I think there was one or two that that went one way or the other, but most of them were offset Um, but it's just something that, you know, I know we keep talking about it week in and week out about the officiating, but officiating just it needs to let the kids you know, play or somehow, but that this this group was just inconsistent. Period, and 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 it just took away from you know from the game, and um, and uh, I just it just needed to be called out. Um, but you know, to take away, not to end on a negative note, um, Modern Day <laughs> did have you know a, a new receiver step up, Cam Gardner, who made yeah. some great catches. He had his best performance in a Modern Day uniform, hauling in three catches for eighty seven yards, and a, including a forty seven yard touchdown. And then Sean Dollars, as you mentioned, he had his season-high touches. Um, he caught a season-high, six ball, team-high six balls. And then he had two great back-to-back runs that resulted in a you know 14-yard right. score. Um, you know, But the night would be end bittersweet, as you said, for the Monarchs on this one, which was costly losing miles to a season-ending, actually, uh, broken leg. Um, and um, Cody Epps, who's, you know, who also injured and needed warm-ups. And like you said, his status is unknown, but... Like you, I heard too that it was not as serious, so we'll have to wait and see on that. But you know, certainly the Monarchs regrouped and came out and played their game. Yeah, you know, though I guess I would say the thing I'd say about the officials is a couple things. I think there were certainly some some calls that I think left some things to be desired. Uh, but I think for modern day, uh, they're still they're still it's. I, I understand what you know you're saying about the official crew, and I, I understand you know the you know I talked to Rollinson obviously a lot this year after games, and I understand some of the things he's saying um, and some of his confusion. But I think I think the bottom line is I still think Monterey's got to clean up some of their penalties because they still some of their calls, some of their penalties is you know a late hit or something like that, or um, you know some extracurricular um, you know talking and stuff like that, or or, or late hits, they got they they that's where they have to focus. I think is the, trying to clean up their game and, and try to play um, less, uh, play more discipline. I think can the officials do their part as well? Um, yeah, and and there's probably some things that Rollinson probably should talk. To, I'm sure he has been talking about him and saying, hey, this is where we're working on this stuff. We get continue to get calls. We're trying to do it the right way. You know, please look that we're trying to do it the right way. But at the same time, they can't make like the bonehead penalties, and they did have a couple of those in the Jay Sarah game. No, I I agree with you. This game actually though was probably this was more inconsistent calls with this crew than anything. Yeah. Um, but I I understand because they didn't have they didn't have any late hits. It was it was either jaw jacking between the two you know two players, but there wasn't there wasn't any late hits. The late, the, the only late hit was. I think Neely got a got a yeah. helmet to helmet, but that was like a bang bang. And then the only other late hit was was Teo hitting Young, and and Young like pulled up 
you know, but he was still in bounds. Yeah. And he and was then, going at him, you know. So, yeah. I mean, that was like, you know, ticky-tack. Or, you know, but I understand. Um, I've seen other games where, yes, modern day have had more personal fouls than they have, yeah. you know, after the fact. But in this one, it wasn't. Like I said, the, the P.I., uh, you know, the P.I. That, that was called on Jay Sarah, you know, that was that was bad. And then the other P.I. was bad. The, you know, the other, the phantom holds. I mean, other than that, you know, I, but I get what you're saying. We'll just have to see from here on out. But as far as this one went, you know, it was just an ugly, inconsistent game from, from their side. So Yeah, the Neely one, the Neely one was on the quarterback. So you got to be careful. You know, the guy sliding on the ground, Caden Bell, you, you know, you got to know. Um, yeah, if you hit the kid who's slow, sliding, um, and it was a little bit of a bang blame, but you got to know who you're tackling. Yeah, that and, one wasn't intentional, but no. I, I but but I understand it was just, it was bang bang, and he just you know I know you have to call it, but it wasn't it wasn't. <clears throat> yeah, you know, and then watching the bright the the Brew McCoy one was unfortunate. I saw some replays of that one. I and I think in seeing it live, I definitely thought it was a touchdown. I mean, last time I checked, right, it's one foot for high school football, right? Yeah, yeah, he got two. And then um, the other thing is the official, you know, he was he was trailing the play, um, he was behind the 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 play, and I think you know it looked it looked like it was a clear catch. But if these guys are making close plays on some of these close plays, I mean, I think you, uh, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll be a you know, I'll, uh, I'll true confession here. I've done some officiating for soccer, and I remember you know hearing. You know um, about uh, calling offsides, and you know in soccer, don't they tell? They would tell us, you know, don't call offsides unless you are absolutely sure. If you're not sure, don't call offsides. If you if you think you got it and you're sure, yeah, call it. But I I feel like sometimes officials, these you know, how can they be sure? Just give them the. It should be you know, if you haven't, if you don't see it as an infraction, then don't call it. If you don't think it's a, a and but I thought that one was a. Um, the McCoy, I thought that was a beautiful touchdown catch. And yeah. it, there's no way he didn't get at least one foot down. Right, because he even got his, he got the second, he got the second foot down. And, and um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know, like I said, you know, I know it's, it sometimes is bang, bang, but I've seen other, I've seen other catches that are blatant where yeah. they hit the ground and, and it's hard some, for the officials, I understand, but that one was like, you know, it looked more secure than, than I've seen any, you know, any other, like I said, he just shifted his other hand to, so he would brace, brace himself from, from hitting the goalpost. Yeah. So, and you know, the reason Scotty, I are talking so much about the penalties that the final numbers, uh, 17 penalties against modern day for 183 yards, probably a school record, um, at least a season high. They actually eclipse their, their total against, um, uh, IMG, which was their previous high. And and Jay Sarah was called for nine penalties for eighty yards. Somebody emailed me uh, and wanted I covered the game for the register, and somebody wanted to know what the penalty yardage was. And so there's some interest. People wondering exactly how many yards were there, and it definitely disrupted the flow. So Sky, let's uh, let's do our grades before we leave the modern day Jay Sarah game and our our players of the week. So again, it was modern day uh, forty two to seven. Um, who was your offensive uh, player uh, and defensive players of the week for modern day, and what was your grades for the Monarchs? 
So offensive player, I, I gave it to Sean Dollars. Um, his stats don't show the entire story, but he was spectacular most of the night on the opportunities that he did get. He uh, had 104 yards of total offense and the one touchdown, and, but it was the timing of those runs and the yards that he got, which was key for modern day. And then, you know, Cam Gardner, I, you know, I think Brew could have also gotten, you know, player of the game, but um, I think, you know, Dollars was kind of was kind of key in, in this one. Um, my defensive player of the game, I went with Darion Greenwarn in his two picks because um, he played those perfectly. I mean, they, they, they were textbook coverage. Um, and um, and my grades, I went with uh, modern day's offense. I went with a B. And um, on their defense, I went with an A. Um, and for Jay Sarah, on their offense, a D minus. Their offense, a D minus, and their uh, defense, a C minus. Okay. And how about uh, players of the week for uh, Jay Sarah? I think, uh, you know, uh, offensively, I don't know if you uh, – did you did you maybe look yeah. at uh, Munar, who did have six catches for 57? Um, actually, I didn't give anybody offense. I mean, they had – they had actually – I mean, if, you know, Kaden Bell, you could give him for that 139-yard run, but he didn't play very well uh, passing the ball. So um, – but over on the defensive side, they uh, – Jay Sarah actually, you know, played pretty well. They actually, you know, contained modern day's run game. I mean, Shakobi Harper, they limited him to, to like 59 yards, um, and he had over double-digit carries. Um, and, yes. and the See. reason with that would be probably would be Victor Clanton. He was all over the field. Um, he had 12 tackles, three for loss, and he gets the player of the game for Jay Sarah. Look at defense. Okay. Well, we'll give it to Munar for offense, and we'll go Victor, um, who's I know is an underrated guy. Uh, 12 total tackets, uh, uh, tackles, seven unass uh, unassisted. So number nine, underrated player. I know he doesn't have any scholarship offers, but. If you're looking out for a tough-nosed um, sound tackler, you know some college out there. Victor Clanton is a, is a good player. They actually had a couple guys that did some good tackling, even though you know they as a unit they got the D minus from Scotty Barajas. What do you know about um, C minus? Oh, you oh C minus. Oh yeah. for uh oh yeah C minus for defense, D minus for offense. Excuse me. Um, but what do you know about this kid uh, Morris Walker? Um. Uh, number six for um, for Jay Sarah. He had a pretty nice evening where he uh, had an interception. He had one of the two interceptions. The other one was by uh, Duncan. Uh, he also had ten total tackles. Yeah, he actually was a surprise too. He was probably my my next one, um, and I know because a lot of the tackles he made were one on one tackles on dollars and Shakobi in the you know out in the flats or uh, sideline, um, and he did get that. He did get that the pickoff of uh, when Bryce tried throwing the screen to yeah. Brew. He kind of sniffed that one out. and um, But, you know, he was he was pretty good, and so was uh, Calvin uh, Mousset. Yeah. I mean, he was another one I, I thought was flying around to the ball. Um, you know, Jay Sarah didn't – they made it difficult on modern day, believe it or not. I mean, right. I know they, get, you know they gave up a lot of yards and, and, and a lot of points, but as far as, you know, the, that, the rushing, they actually – you know, like I said, they – they took care of modern day's, you know, rushing him. I know modern day, you know, having that patchwork offensive line for that second half didn't help. But, um, you know, but Jay Sarah would, you know, even though modern day would come back and give, you know, they get a 17 yard run, 14 yard run. Then the next blue plays, you know, Clanton and, and the defense was, was stuffing the run, you know, for no gain or, or short gain. So. Yeah. You know, one guy that I looked at, you know, Coach Rollinson, you know, as we we heard in that early clip, mentioned 
He was pleased with the defensive line. I thought Ware Hudson, uh, number 42 for Modern Day, played well. I, I agree with you that uh, Darion is the pick for defensive player of the game, but I, if the next runner-up would have been Ware Hudson, who had, um, I thought, had a solid game, four total tackles for the interior uh, defensive lineman, two tackles for loss because he also had a sack, and I thought he did a, a nice job. Yeah, he did. Um, because he, he was the... Um you know, catalyst for, for, you know, bl- you know, winning the line of scrimmage, because like I said, they gave steel uh, street, no uh, running room whatsoever. So. All right. All right, Scotty, let's move on to another, I think another really interesting game. And uh, we were, Scotty and I were actually talking a little bit about this one uh, in our pre training league uh, football podcast chat, but orange Lutheran 28 to 20 over Servite, which was a key victory for uh, orange Lutheran for its playoff chances it took uh, Jace, uh, Orange Lutheran's record to two and two in league and five and four overall, and right now they're you know the uh, Lancers are tied for third place with uh, Jay Sarah, which is also two and two in league and seven and two overall. So it was a big wick- victory for Orange Lutheran. They got up um, pretty uh, substantial. I think they were at one point twenty eight to three. Ryan Helinski, the South Carolina commit. Uh, threw for a season high 371 yards, I believe. Uh, two touchdowns, both to uh, Logan Loya. I watched some of the film um, on this game, and Halinski did, a, a, you know, and, and Logan are a great combination, as we probably have talked about uh, throughout the show, uh, throughout the you know the season. But they were dynamic because Loya had 12 catches for about 256 yards, the two touchdowns, kicked the four extra points, but. Uh, Halinski was very, you know, accurate, completed 69% of his passes. I think he was about 25 for 36, but he made some, some just unbelievable throws. You know, he's got the, the slants down and and Logan runs some great routes, but there's times where, um, Halinski just can put it in, in just amazing, um, windows, some really tight windows, putting it over defenders. Um, some of his accuracy, uh, was really great. And I, I saw one throw a downfield where he, you know, had some just put it over two defenders and just over the shoulder situation for Logan Loya. And he was, and there's other times where he's real patient and he just, they know each other well. And as soon as that break, I think it was on the long touchdown run, they connected like on a 90 yard touchdown um, uh, pass. And it was really a nice move by Logan Loya. He actually jukes the safety so bad the the servite safety he fell down and but but the the and the throw was right there but it's it's the timing of of Halinski knowing that that could be there and delivering it right when that on that break and then they do that a lot but another story that made it interesting uh was you know so servite was really down and then we might have seen the beginning of the uh the no fafita Air at Servite, where the freshman quarterback was called upon in the last co- uh, closing minutes and, and led Servite to about 17 points. Now, there was some fumbles. Apparently, the Servite recovered a fumble deep in Orange Lutheran territory, converted this, and this is all in the last, like, two or three minutes. I think they got an onside kick, turned that into some points. But Noah Fafita, the true freshman, threw two touchdowns, and I think he was about six of seven or seven of eight passing, and... um Really gave them a spark as a true freshman, and this was a guy that we've we've talked about on the Trinity Football Podcast. He was a freshman. He was in that big freshman game against Modern Day, 
you know, hyped up game and, you know, really struggled through, you know, four or five interceptions. But obviously the kid is, is you know, Servi hasn't lost faith in them. He's maybe the future, uh, one of the big future components for the team. And um, he really gave them a spark and they got uh, pretty close uh, in this game. It was 28-20. Big win for, uh, for Orange Lutheran, who we think is playoff bound. Servite, don't know, but still uh, showed a lot of fight at the end. Getting close to uh, to Olu was pretty impressive, especially the way they finished. I know Scotty was also complimentary of the way the fight that Servite showed against Modern Day and they, how they didn't give up in that game either. Um, so that theme is kind of carried on for the Friars. But I think there are some notable things in this game. I'm interested to see what you thought of this game, Scotty, as well. Yeah, I mean, when we saw the score on this one, we were surprised, um, you know, to see that there was a 7-3 halftime lead for Olu. Um, I mean, Alinsky, you know, passing TD for Olu and a Cade Fuller field goal for Servite was all the action that they had going on in that first half. But the second half was a totally different story. Um, you know, the Lancers jumped out to a 28-3 you know, lead as Servite continued to struggle to move the ball and get points on the scoreboard. But like you said, you know, there's about three minutes left in the game and Servite inserts freshman, you know, you know, quarterback Noah Fafita and he tossed those two touchdowns. And they also got another Kate Fuller field goal that brought with, you know, Servite to a score. And then Olu recovered the onside kick to close the game out. I believe it was like 40 seconds left on the clock. Um, you know, I think Servite just ran out of time, but they certainly had the momentum, you know, with Fafita in. Um, I, I thought it was kind of odd that they would bring him in with three minutes left in the game, being down that many points. I thought, you know, maybe I guess they just thought that they'd get him some experience and some snaps, and then lo and behold, you know, they get they get two quick scores and an onside kick, and and you know they're in the ball game. Um, you know, for Lou, you know they were playing with its third different starting running back. Um, yeah, Cooper Vanderhill was out. Yep, and so they went with Travis Leguizan and Jared Amasio, who combined for 109 yards rushing on 22 carries. But it was a Helensky to Logan Loya show on the night as 12 of Helensky's 25 completions went to Loya, as you mentioned, for you know 256 of his. 371 yards and then both touchdowns went to Loya. You know, defensively, Olu did get back, you know, cornerback KJ Trujillo, but they were still without Zach Brogdon at linebacker. Right. Um, Olu did a solid job, you know, keeping Servite out of the end zone, but they almost gave it up in the end. Um, and we've seen, you know, how many times in the last three Trinity League games where Olu has run out of gas. Um, and, you know, this one, they. You know, it almost happened again, but they were able to hold Servite off. Um, but I wonder, I, I almost think would think that Servite, you know, had more time that they would have pulled it out in the end. Well, and for the record, both Sky and I did pick uh, Servite to win this game, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, we so did. So we were, the Lancers did prove us wrong. And, you know, it is big for Orange Lutheran because we got to remember just one year ago, Orange Lutheran 0-5 in Trinity League uh, in 2007. Here they come back two and two. Got a chance, obviously, you know, against Modern Day to get this week to get to three and two. But this is big for uh, for Coach Presley and Orange Lutheran. I think you know, getting two wins after going zero for five. Um, I think that's you know pretty significant. This will also match you know even in two thousand sixteen they were uh, two and two and three um, last. That was I think that would have been the last year of uh, Coach um, Chuck uh, Peterson. 
So um, that you know that this is a do you, do you feel like this guy that this is some good progress for you know as far as all the injuries that uh, that Orange Lutheran has had this year, no Kyle Ford, um, you know this in in all the injuries that they've had, you know obviously losing Reggie Strong to get back there because um, this is kind of what they've been topping out uh, in 2015, 2016. They're winning two games and then the, and then they went to zero and five. So I think this is a pretty good accomplishment. They beat Servite and Santa Margarita this year. Yeah, it, I mean, it is to get those two wins when you didn't have none last year. But you just, you, but you still have, you know, you, you know, you're still doing it without, you know, you know, ten, twelve guys. And you could have said, you know, if we only had these guys, yeah. what would have, what would it have been? Yeah, true. you know. Um, you know, they get. You know, it looks like, like you said, they're going to go into the playoffs, um, and you know they got to get through this modern day game. And you, you know, you kind of want to get healthy just so you can get that one playoff. You know, look at last year; they were they were winless, and they got the playoff. You know, they beat upset Chaminade and and you know got another game. You know, you know they could possibly do the same thing if if they get a few. You know, kind of key some key guys back. Um, yeah, but they they went on. I think Chaminade was the fourth seed. They were a nine-win team in the in the in the regular season. They were they were Chaminade was nine and one last year, and they were at home, and 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 Orange Lutheran took them out 28-25 in the first round, as we know, and then they got to play Lancers advance and played Mission View in a pretty entertaining game. Lost 40, uh, 48 to thirty five in the Division One uh, quarterfinals. So you know we'll see. I wouldn't want to. You know, but I I know you're you're exactly right, Scotty. Too. I mean, this was a season where the hope was and the expectation was for Orange Lutheran was to try to to challenge a modern day in Bosco. And of course, we 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 can't write them off. Maybe they'll they will rise up this week and and, and fulfill that destiny where they were going to try to break into the top two in the Trinity League. But that was the expectations. We'll see if they can do it. it it's been difficult with all their injuries though, and they had to battle and they got a, a much uh, needed victory against uh, Servite. Let's close out week nine, Scotty, with our last uh, game of the week, and that was St. John Bosco, 49-14 to 14 over Santa Margarita. So no uh, no uh, letdown for the Braves. They're now 9-0 and and 4-0 in the Trina League. First place, they've clinched at least a share of the Trina League title. So that that's huge because the last two years, these have been outright titles by modern day. And that that really that kind of slowed down the the kind of the epic run that Bosco had for about five years. They had the grip of the Trinity League, and they've got at least a co-title and a chance to win it outright this uh, this week. Five and zero. They're at home this week against those uh, Fighting Friars. So this was no letdown, and you know, it was a tough one for uh, for Santa Margarita. They're now zero and four in league, and they're three and six overall. But what was your thoughts on this game, Scotty? Uh, yeah, this one kind of just went as expected. Um, you know, Bosco jumped out on you know, the Eagles, putting up 35 first-half points. You know, DJ had three passing touchdowns, two rushing, including a 45-yard run. Holinsky had one receiving, one rushing. I mean, I guess the, the surprising shocker was the 37-yard pass completion um, from Costello to Jake Thomas you know, early in the game to tie it up at 7-all. But that was all the Eagles would get uh, on the starting unit. You know, late in the fourth, Costelli hit Gary Morrison for another for a 23-yard score. You know, to bring the game to 49-14. But 
that was pretty much the the story on this one. Yeah, tough one for you know you know the season's turning out tough for Santa Margarita. They're they're young. Coach Fisher has been encouraged by a lot of the team's uh, young players. Uh, you know, Costelli just a, a sophomore quarterback. We think he's going to be good uh, in the future for sure. He, he's part of the definitely the the process going to hopefully bring back the Eagles in contention. They're looking, you know, they were one and four in 2015. So that's where they're trying to, uh, you know, they've kind of taken a step back this year. Um, weren't able to get into that main pack in the Trinity League, um, you know, but they close. They could, you know, if they want to avoid that 0-5, which I'm sure they do, and they kind of have a big rivalry game this week with uh, with Jay Sarah. So that's going to be a lot of pride on the line, and, and those teams uh, really get after each other. But um, Scotty, what were your uh, who were your players of the game and grades for this uh, for this game for Santa Margarita and Bosco? So my grades uh, for um, Bosco on this one was pretty much A and an A, and then um, on their uh, Santa Margarita, I gave them a D minus on offense and a yeah, C minus on defense. C on D. Well, all right. And then, and then, offensive player of the game is I uh, Santa Margarita with Jake Thomas for getting he got 134 yards uh, rushing on 23 carries for Bosco's defense. You know, on you know, which was kind of surprising. Yeah. Um, and then player defensive player was again Blake Bianacci again tackling machine 11 tackles 10 solo. Um, however, they defense did have three sacks and. Um, I'm interested because DJ played pretty much, I think, mid third quarter. So I, you know, I was trying to figure who the sacks, you know, if those were all on DJ against DJ or if they got, you know, the second rate quarterback, you know, in the fourth quarter that I couldn't, I couldn't get any, um, any confirmation on. Um, and then for Bosco offensive player, uh, DJ for his five touchdowns, three passing, two rushing, and uh, defensive player of the game, you know, I think they got after uh, Caselli. They made his diff- time difficult, so I kind of went with the whole D line. Um, Nam Rodman had a sack, um, but they held Caselli. I mean, put pressure on him. I think he was eight of twenty, um, but he did have two touchdowns out of his eight completions. So, yeah, and, and yeah, so. And I think we skipped. We skipped the. Yeah, I wanted to go. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I apologize. How about going back to the Servite Orange Lutheran game? Who were your uh, What were your grades for that and players of the game? Uh, so Servite's grades I, on offense, I gave them a C minus on offense, and their defense, I gave them a C minus. And Olu, I gave them a C plus, and I gave them a defense uh, C. Okay. And their offense. Uh, Servite, I gave offense player Noah Fita for almost bringing him back to the right. win. Um, their defense, I couldn't give it to anybody because they gave up 400 and uh, 480 yards to Olu's offense. Um, and then Olu's uh, offensive play of the game was Loya for having the 12 receptions, right. 256 and two touchdowns. Defensive player of the game was Ethan Howard. Right. Um, he had 13 tackles. He picked up the slack for missing um, yeah. you know, Brogdon. And then, actually, i got to give name mention to Josh Rodriguez, who had two sacks on uh, Blades, McKibben. 
Yeah, Howard's had a pretty good year. I think he's going to be a player. I think he might be a junior. Um, I think he's a pretty good player. He's kind of like their Army Swiss Army knife player. Because I call him that only because he's like he plays offensive guard, but he doesn't play D line, but he plays linebacker. So that's kind of you know that's kind of unique. You don't you see that too often. So the other thing I was going to mention is that I think uh, I would probably you know offensively. Uh, player of the week. I I did. I went with for the OC register, the, the Orange County Player of the Week. I went with Ryan Helinski, but I won't argue with uh, Logan Loya uh, as well. But I went with Ryan Helinski, so I'll throw him a shout out here. That um, he was my personal pick for uh, OC register, um, the offensive player of the week. And I think I think I probably would argue that Olu could get a little higher grade on offense. Um, I think you did. You give him a C. Um, I'd probably give you know twenty eight points. Um, now, you, maybe you were probably, you know, they didn't do well in the first half. Maybe that influenced you as well. That was that yeah. was pretty okay. much it was that. If you take away, you know, the, the run game was, was steady, but it wasn't spectacular. They only got the 28 points. Um, and so, you know, like I said, it would have been C plus, B minus, you know, slash maybe right in there. I mean, I've, I, 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 you know, if you want, if we wanted to argue, put it up to a B minus, <laughs> I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, well, let's give them a B minus. Alinsky's, you know, you know, performance. So, all right, we'll move him up to a, a B minus with a couple, you know, Halinski and Logan Loya getting it done, and um, again, Saint, and then, like we said, Saint John Bosco, big uh, step in uh, week nine, nine and zero overall, at least a share of the Tree and League title. So let's move to week ten, Scotty. We're gonna save the modern day Old Orange Lutheran preview for the end. We want to uh, thank all the uh, Tree and League football fans that have joining us here. On our uh, podcast, pre, you know, recapping Week Nine, previewing Week Ten, but let's uh, let's let's start with that rivalry. Maybe kind of a, a, a somewhat of a grudge match between Jay Sarah. These are, games are all on Friday, October twenty sixth. Jay Sarah playing Santa Margarita on Friday night at Tribuca Hills, seven o'clock. Both these teams, you know, they're South County teams. Um, I don't think they like each other very much. It's going to be a pretty hotly contested game. You know, last year, Santa Margarita surprised Jay Sarah and, and and won a game at Jay Sarah, and I think that was a it was a very uh, dramatic game. Thirty six thirty five came down in the final moments. Very exciting game. I covered that game. Um, so, like we said, Santa Margarita winless, zero and four. Do they want to get that? You know, zero and five. No, of course they don't. They're probably not going for the playoffs. This is they could say, you know, hey, we're trying to play to avoid the Ofer. This is our playoff game. Can we? Uh, what can we remember our season? Ending it with an upset of Jay Sarah, and then you wonder, where is Jay Sarah after their the reeling, head spinning loss to to Modern Day, forty two seven, the interceptions, um, never really getting in that game, and in a big moment, not not competing, um, and they're going to have their hands full with Castelli. A good receiving core by Chase Nenad, and you mentioned Morrison. I think is a good tight end, and uh, Ebok, and then Jake Thomas who can run the ball. There's really nothing too much wrong with the Santa Margarita offense, and Jay Sarah is going to have to play really good defense. They're going to have to get back to some of the defense that helped them win all those games, and play with, um, you know, play with St. John Bosco, beat Servite. They're going to have to really get back on that defensive end. And then they're going to have to really establish the run game again. And 
There's no problem. I don't have a big problem with Jay Sarah trying to get Chris Street, the leading rusher, going against um, Jay Sarah against Modern Day. But I think at some point they probably could have uh, diversified. It's probably trying to get Anthony Ward a carry, um, run Sean Nielsen a carry at, at fullback, um, start the screen package going, something that you've been working on, get put Chris Street in the in the slot, do something then. Um, trying to, at some point, they tried to establish that inside straight up the run um, with 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 Street. It didn't work, and I didn't see a lot of adjustments. And I think uh, go to a jumbo package, some play action, all kinds of stuff they could do, featuring different personnel. Uh, you know, obviously got, they got the big run um, from Caden Bell. Maybe they need to do more running with Caden Bell. But I think this is going to be a tough game. Uh, I think Jay Sarah can win it, but I don't think it's going to be easy, and it's going to depend on where Jay Sarah's head's at. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, it's like it's their turn to shake that loss off, um, loss, you know, off their uh, shoulders. You know, you know, I, I think they'll get back on track. I don't see anything different with this outcome. Um, you know, I, I think the Lions get their offensive stars back in the end zone here. Um, you know, how much fight do the Eagles have? As you say, you know, do they make things tougher for Jay Sarah? Do they lay down knowing that this is their going to be their pretty much their last game of the season? Um, and you know, and, and you had mentioned about Jay Sarah, you know, you know, mixing it up, you know, uh, last week versus modern day, um, and getting some other guys, you know, back in the mix. I do know that Sammy Green did go out, go down with the. And I noticed he was out on the sideline with his ice on his shoulder. Um, and I don't know exactly when that happened, but I know he okay. he, he, he took a he took a, a kickoff, and that was it. And I remember seeing him coming back, but I don't remember seeing him getting a, any offensive carries. So um, that may have played into you know why he didn't you know get any. And I I know he also plays defense too. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times he's been playing corner and they've been using Samaja Duncan at outside backer. And I know when Luckett came out, they went with Duncan before they did with Green. So that that you know, so I have to watch that to see if he you know if he's able to to, to come back because I know Sammy Green is is one of their um, solid guys in the rotation. So, but you know, they just have to win the line of scrimmage again. Um, and get back, you know, probably trying to do what they, you know, I know Jay Sarah, that's what they want to do is establish the run first, then, then, you know, come with the pass and the play action. And I think that's, you know, they, they run a lot of two tight ends. Um, I noticed in the second half, they, they were bringing Sean Nielsen in for protection, but they still chose to still kind of run the ball. Um, and, you know, that's Jay Sarah's offense. You know, it's, it's not a true spread offense. And right. so I think that's, that was, you know, the the interesting thing because I I said all along that street is the key to their offense. Yep. And if he can't get going, that 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 hinders their um, because their passing offense is predicated off of that run. So that's something to watch for this yeah you know, for this week if if the Eagles can, you know, give them fits. But you know, Santa Margarita gives up a lot of yards. I was just gonna say sec- that their secondary. Yeah. Um, you know, isn't 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 too tight right now. So, um, you know, I, like I said, I I think Jaser, you know, gets this one pretty easily. Yeah, that's the thing where I used to, I I start to be excited talking about Santa Margarita, about Castelli, those receivers, a good offensive line, 
multiple running backs. It's the defense. You know they've they've only allowed only they've only allowed a team held a team under 30 one time and that was a Cherry Creek game. They lost that one 21-14. Every other team has scored at least 30 points. Um on them that includes Servite and includes Mission Viejo um and there's been a, there's been some 40s and 50s um in there as well. I'm I'm well, I'm sorry. Uh, as far as in their losses cuz they beat um I think you guys hopefully follow what, I, what I'm saying is in the losses they've all, they've everyone scored at least 30 on cuz they beat Downey and Mayfair, you know, handily um you know 59 to 20 or whatever 55 to 7. But in the losses to Mission Viejo, um, and well, and, except Cherry Creek was the only team they held that they lost to under 30 because they allowed 30 to Mission, and then you know, Orem, Olu, it's all been in a row. Or, now it's been Orem, Olu, Modern Day, Servite, Bosco, all those teams, all those losses, they've scored at least 30 points. They've allowed at least 30. Right, yeah, and that, that, that puts a lot of pressure on the offense. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I could see that, so. Well, uh, let's see. Um, let's move on to our our next game of the week here. Santa, uh, Servite going to St. John Bosco um, on Friday night. This is a seven o'clock kickoff on new, uh, Bosco's new multi million dollar stadium. There, um, I, I I I expect you know Bosco to roll. Though there is one interesting, you know, I think you know obviously Servite's still playing for their playoff life. Um, whatever they can muster and can, you know, you know, if obviously a, a upset would be amazing for their playoff chances. I don't see that happen. I see Bosco finishing this off five and zero pretty decisively, but I think Servite, you know, we're going to be talking about it here with the playoff, um, pitcher. One thing is, you know, maybe, you know, Servite, if they can represent themselves well, score some points, not get shut out, put up 20 points, um, somehow make it surprisingly close if that's, you know, because one thing that's uh, common for Servite and some of the teams that they're competing against is uh, Chaminade is a team out of the Mission League that kind of looks like they're going to be in the playoff hunt, right, Scotty? But they played, uh, Chaminade did play St. John Bosco uh, earlier in the year, and Bosco beat them 56-20. to 20. Can Modern Day get, uh, can Servite get closer than that? That's uh 36 points. Um, but maybe it's not going to you know, matter too much. But that's one thing I'm just kind of grasping, looking for something for Servite to, to motivate them themselves. Because it looks like Chaminade's going to be the fourth place team. Um, they play, uh, they're 2-2 two and two in their league, and they play um, at, uh, at Notre Dame Sherman Oaks on Friday night. And they're projected to... Um, so, and, and and it looks like Notre Dame, you know, could win that game, and you know, Chaminade would still because they beat Sarah, they're probably who knows how that's one of the teams that you know Servite might be comparing themselves, and they could look at the comparison between Chaminade and Bosco, but it's a tough spot. But they need to because they're on the bubble. They obviously you want to represent yourself the best you can in that last game, and but I still expect Bosco to you know win decisively. Yeah, you know, I think this one, you know, became more interesting um, when Servite, in, you know, inserted Noah Fafita into the lineup. And I know, you know, they almost brought back, uh, you know, brought, 
brought back the Servette to win that game. But he's not going to play in this one, I don't think. So, you know, if this game was anyone but St. John Bosco or even St. Modern Day or, or even Jay Starr, you probably would see Fafita starting this week. Um, it was a great look, you know, for Servette's possible future. But, you know, having to go against that Bosco speed is, is a different story. So, and I don't think they're going to want to throw him to any other the dogs or at least in a start. Um, so he may come in, you know, in the second half, you know, when it's not so heated. But, you know, as crazy as it sounds, you know, like we had said, Servite's still in the running for an at-large berth, you know, but it hinges on other teams, um, you know, actually losing, you know, versus a Servite actually win. Yeah. So we're going to have to stay tuned. Um, you know, maybe then Fafita makes his first start, you know, then if they get into the playoffs. But, you know, for right now, I, I think they're just going to compete and, um, and try to you know play as best they can and um not worry about you know you know what's down the road for them um you know because we know what they've you know when it's when they've hit rock bottom you know somehow uh troy thomas has actually come around and and turned them into you know into something more than 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 when everybody's kind of like left them for dead so uh, you know who knows what what they show against you know bosco i mean you know, maybe they do, you know, make it, you know, maybe they, their defense puts up a little bit more fight. I, you know, I, I, you know, I don't see that, you know, I know their offense has been struggling a bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Up until that point when they, you know, then they put Fafita, you know, Fafita in. So who knows, maybe they do put him in er, earlier, but um, it's just going to depend on how, how the flow of that game goes. I, you know, I believe so, but you know, yeah. Well, interesting point about the the flow of the Servite offense because you know I saw them the previous week against Santa Margarita and win that game, and then the offense really mightily struggled against Orange Lutheran, and that's where they haven't had the consistent consistent um, effort on offense where they you know they broke out and they looked diverse and they looked pretty potent on offense against Santa Margarita, where they got the ground game going, they got the receivers going there, and, and they you know obviously they got a good kicker and Fuller. And they were able to score 30 points against Santa Margarita. And then they pretty much were, you know, in danger of getting almost, you know, getting only a field goal out of the, the next week. So that's where I don't like their matchup against St. John Bosco is that what what Servite offense is going to show up? And how do we, we've seen, we, we, we've seen what Bosco's defense is like. That's not a good matchup where they got the lockdown to secondary. They got rotations going on on the D-line. They have size on Servite on the on the D line. Servite's not that big on the offensive line, and 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 Bosco is big. And then they have good linebackers and good size and linebackers and safeties. It's not a great matchup for the Servite offense, and the defense will be will be sound. I think, and they'll you know try to hold as much resistance as they can. So let's 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 talk a little bit, Scotty, before we leave the the Servite situation. So I think that really what the best case scenario that the Servite fans can think about, how are we going to make the Division One playoffs? It's There's 18 teams in Division One, and 16 are going to the playoffs. And we know that Servite's ahead of one team. It's Santa Margarita. So they're not 18. The question is, can they become 16? Because they got to be 16 to get in the playoffs. So they have to finish ahead about one more team. They got they they're ahead of Santa Margarita, but can they get a whole, ahead of somebody else? Like I was saying, I don't think Shamanad's that team, even though there is that Shamanad Bosco comparison, for whatever that maybe just a stab. But 
But I think the team really is Sarah of Gardena, who is, uh, you know, one and three in, in that mission league. And they're four and five overall. The thing that hurts um, Servite is that Sarah lost to Shamanon. So even if Shamanon were to lose and Sarah were to win, they would be tied. And I would assume that Ty would go to Shamanad as having the head-to-head. So Sarah looks like, hey, we're the fifth-place team at the Mission League, just like Servite. And but they could get, um, but if they win this week, so Sarah, they're at home against a free-falling team, Loyola, who's one and eight and has lost eight in a row. So yeah, Sarah might finish fifth, but they could have two wins in league. And they could be five and five, and it looks like if Servite loses as expected, they're four and five with that, you know, nine game schedule. Which I don't know if that's a factor. Um, you know, if they could have had one more game and to impress and make make a difference and be five hundred and match Sarah at five and five. Um, but then I even if if even if Sarah does win as expected uh, against Loyola and they're. They're five and five overall, and they're still fifth, you know, um, so let's say in the Mission League. You know, according to Cal Preps, their ranking, uh, their power ranking is lower than Servite. Um, so, it, you know, maybe Servite's loss is, you know, it still seems like a committee situation on Sunday that, you know, they're going to look at that Sarah schedule. They have a win against Long Beach Poly, um, and they beat... Um, Cathedral of LA, which no longer has Bryce Young, and they have a surprise win in league against Alamany. Um, but on the same token, uh, you know, Servite does have a nice, qual- a very good quality win against Norco, and they have a victory against Santa Margarita. Now, does that match up with Polly, a victory against Polly, and um, you know, uh, Alamany? It seems pretty uh, comparable, I think, Polly versus Alamany. You know, Servite's got some other wins um, in there well, and so does Sarah. So even if uh, Sarah does win as expected and Servite loses as expected, I still think maybe there's a surprise for the Servite faithful on Sunday that they still got picked because they're out of the tough Trinity League and they'll all rejoice. Um, but there's also a good chance that, you know, they'll say, hey, Sarah... You know, they got another win. We end up liking some of your schedule a little bit better. Um, but and now Sarah loses to Loyola. Servite fans can rejoice and think, I think they got a good chance to get in if Loyola somehow surprises. But I don't think that. But any take on this? Because uh, this is going to be the big question for the Trin League at the end of the day, Scotty. Did the league get four in or five in from the playoffs? And it's going to be, it's Servite's going to change that number one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, you said it probably as best I could. Um, it's probably it's probably perfect. Uh, you know, and then it comes down to because I think I think Sarah wins, and then it comes down to like you said, the the committee having to do we take you know this Mission League team or do we take the Trinity League team? You know, who who do you think gives us this better matchup um, in in the playoffs? That's the key. So I. You know, I don't know. I mean, in, in most years, you would you would, it would always seem to go. The Trinity League always would seem to get favored, but right. with Servite's stagnant offense, <laughs> I, you know, I'm just not so sure that 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 makes it that that 
you know, that much of a, an appealing matchup with whoever they, you know, go with. And, and then, they, you know, Sarah, on the other hand, you know, they have, you know, Doug Brumfield, who is, I think he's like, I think leading all the quarterbacks in passing yards, believe it or not. Um, but yet they have some mind boggling losses. And so, you know, they have more of a, you know, from an athlete standpoint, they have more of a, a chance or more of a, um, more of a marquee matchup than say Servite. So it, it just depends on, like you said, what the, what the, what the, you know, committee's going to end up, you know, taking, but, um, Sarah's got to win that game first to make that, to make, you know, them have to, to choose that. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, you look at, you can say, Hey, the tree league we're Servite. We played the number one team in the nation. Uh, modern day. We played the number one team in the nation later on Bosco, you know, what, what, you know, look at our strength of schedule. Um, will it be enough? Um, you know, they, they got the nine, uh, nine game schedule. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a tight call. You know, um, the Norco win was, uh, was big. It was against a division two team. Um, Roosevelt wasn't turned out to be as good as, um, maybe the previous year. They got the loss against Villa Park, who's, is nine and zero Division Four team, but they got the win against um, Santa Margarita. So I think they got. I still think they got to play well, um, but I I have a feeling that maybe this what will bail the Friars out is going to be the strength of the Trinity League, and I think there's a really good chance that uh, that they get in. I think even if Sarah wins, but I want to see the scores. That's why if it's if it's super ugly, and it has been ugly before, right, Scotty? Between uh, Bosco and Servite, there's no love loss there either. Um, there's about well, there's three huge uh, transfers at Bosco from Servite: McDuffie, Titus Toller, and the uh, the linebacker. The Lytle. Lytle. Yeah. Spencer Lytle. And there's been some pretty uh, lopsided scores. Um, you know, between from Bosco and Servite, I'll, I can throw out one um, 2016 uh, league opener at Cerritos College, St. John Bosco 70, Servite 6. That that would not be good for their playoff uh, hopes, right, Scotty? <laughs> uh, not, a, not, not at all. So, I, you know, I don't know if they do that to them this year, um, knowing that. Bosco, you know, Bosco still has to go through the playoff run. My guess is, you know, they get their, you know, 42, 49 magic number and uh, I'll go to starters. So, yeah, good point. Um, and that was the league opener compared to then, you know, Scotty, you're making a good point there. Let's close out the show and we uh, thank all the Trinity League uh, football fans for joining us. Scotty, what's your take on modern day um, playing Orange Lutheran at Orange Coast College. That's again on Friday, October 26th, 7 o'clock kickoff. So, modern day, 3-1. Got to keep the pressure on St. John Bosco. Trying to secure that number two spot in the Trinity League, which, as Scotty has, has told me and made a good point, there's not going to be a lot of second-place teams in Division One. There's a lot of league champs. Modern day is probably going on the road in the Division One playoffs. Obviously, they want to go on. They got their momentum back against Jay Sarah. They're going to want to continue it. What can Orange Lutheran do? 
um, got some momentum of their own. They're two and two as well. Um, maybe looking for their upset that they haven't had this season, um, even though they're injury depleted. But what do you? What's your take on this uh, game, Scotty? You know, this one's uh, could be dubbed the uh, Wounded Warrior Bowl uh, for for the number of key starters out for each team. Yeah. You know, Olu missing. I mean, Olu is missing more key guys than modern day is. But you know, at a glance, this one shouldn't be close. Um, I mean. You know, Olu had to withstand that late survive surge, you know, and then for modern day, you know, it's going to begin the rest of the season without, you know, Miles Moreau, you know, um, on that offensive line, which will be interesting to see what adjustments they make um, because uh, when MD had had to shuffle their guys around in last week's game, you know, modern day's running game struggled a bit. Um, you know, I don't know, you may, this is my call, I don't know, you may see some defensive guys maybe make their way over to offense because uh, I know a couple of those guys have played offense at one time um, but for this one you know modern day you know should have have enough to get past the Orange Lutheran Olu you know maybe not enough defensively not enough offensive balance you know MD has that secondary matchup to with to try to take Loya and Hawkins away because that's pretty much their offense right now um, you know, I think both teams want to just get out healthy, you know, with the playoffs looming, because um, Olu was probably going to get that one other large berth, um, you yeah. know, with that, uh, you know, probably their potential matchups looking like it's probably going to be Bishop Amont. Okay, that'd be a tough one, because Bishop Amont is uh, playing really well uh, right now. You know, we were talking about that uh, Mission League, and um, they're a team that uh, Modern Day beat earlier in the year. But I'm, I'm with you, Scotty. I think uh, Modern Day is going to get this win. Um, but Bishop Amont, yeah, they're 8-1 and one and 4-0 and oh in the Mission League. That would be a surely a tough... I agree with you. Orange Lutheran, they're playoff bound. That would be a tough game, especially being on the road. Um, and Amont has, you know, you know, they haven't lost since that Modern Day game. And they've been... Um, well, actually, they haven't... Well, I'm sorry. Well, they've lost two on the field because they have the... Um, the loss, um, they got the forfeit win over Modern Day, and they lost by one point to Jay Sarah. So they haven't really lost since the Jay Sarah game, which includes they got Rancho Cucamonga they beat, and Cathedral Catholic, and then they got into the Mission League. And they had a tight one with Chaminade, who we talked a little bit, and they beat them 28-27. And then they've been pretty pretty convincingly um, winning um, since then. So that would be a tough draw. But uh, for for Orange Lutheran, but it'll be interesting to see how they produce uh, offensively, where they have you know Ryan Halinski and they got some good receivers, and if they give him some time to, if they can get Halinski some time to throw and give him a little running game, we'll see how he can do. But the uh, Lancer defense could be a different question, um, especially with some of their uh, their injuries. So um, so we are Scotty, we're both picking the same uh, teams to win this week and week ten of the Trine League season. We got Modern Day to win. We got Bosco to win. And we're both picking Jay Sarah. Correct. All right. Yep. Well, Scotty, you will be at Orange Coast College on Friday. So we will, uh, we will, uh, is that right? You'll be there? Yes. Yes, right. I will be. Well, we re- uh, will rely on your eyes here coming back. So be sure to join uh, us next week on the Trine League Football Podcast. We're going to have a pretty in-depth review of these Week 10 games. And we're going to have a playoff preview as well for the uh for the uh, Trinity League and we're also going to have our uh season ending awards and we're going to have a uh we're going to also have our um a lower level wrap up of 
how the, the lower levels won, uh, how the lower levels finished up. There's a big uh, freshman game this week will be Servite and Bosco potentially playing for second place. Um, so modern day edge St. John Bosco on the freshman level. And I believe Servite's probably the team trying to challenge and get into that, uh, that get with Bosco and see if they can get into second place. So that's a big freshman wrap up. So next week's are, you know, is usually our officially last show of the, of the season. And we, Scotty and I might surprise you and come back for uh, maybe a preview of the, the CF championship. So we'll see how it goes. But next week's probably a loaded show, maybe even uh, have to separate it by uh, two episodes. But um, a lot to get to still, Scotty, right? Yes, indeed, Dan. With all that you just said, uh, let everybody know. So we'll be hard at work uh, uh, getting all that stuff for everybody next week. Yep, so you're not going to miss uh, next week's show. So for Scotty Barajas, I am Dan Albano. Thanks again for joining us on the Tree League Football Podcast. And we're going to take it out here hearing from survey coach Troy Thomas. Too interesting at the end, but, uh, you know, came away with a W. And any win in this league is uh, is big. What did they show you tonight uh, What and about their feelings about trying to make CIF? Uh, these guys all along have tried really hard. And, you know, they're, they're survey guys. They want to be great. And they've, they've come to work. And, you know, they're learning what that takes. And that's the biggest thing that, that we're trying to teach these guys is the the commitment that it takes to be a champion and we're trying to you know set that foundation right now in our program